Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of James. The New Testament book of James and James in chapter 1. James in chapter number 1. We're going through this book of the Bible found towards the end of the Bible. And we're noticing what it teaches about wisdom. Remember, the book of James is the book of wisdom for the New Testament Christian. It teaches us how to behave as a Christian, how we're supposed to live. Not giving us a list of do's and don'ts, but rather teaching that if we're looking towards the Lord, that there are certain ways that we are going to behave when we live by faith. So with that in mind, let's catch up to where we are in the book of James chapter 1. And for context's sake, we're going to start at the beginning and read up to where we're at now. James chapter 1 and verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven from the wind and tossed. For let not the man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low because he is as a flower for the grass he's passed away. For the sun is no longer is no sooner risen with burning heat, but when is withereth the grass, and the flower thereof fadeth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of James in chapter number one? The book of James chapter one, and notice with me in verse six, James chapter one and verse six, notice the phrase, ask in faith. Ask in faith. And with the Lord's help, we want to understand more about this asking in faith. We know that the faith life is the only Christian life. There is no other way to live as a Christian. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith it is impossible, impossible to please Him. And so even in our prayer life, it must be exercised by faith. Now remember, we continue to define faith. We define faith as found in Hebrews 12 too, that it is looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Now 
with that, we also have to understand that as we have this definition of looking unto faith, that it is not so much how much faith that I have that is important. It is the object of my faith that matters. For example, I could have all of the faith in the world that the government is going to do something good. But if my faith is misplaced, then it doesn't, doesn't matter how much faith I have. There's a lot of people who have faith in Gaia, the Mother Earth. They have faith in this and they have the faith in this. But it is not as much as how much faith I have as the object that I place my faith in. And when we're able to place our faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, our faith is not in vain. So when we talk about asking in faith, it is dealing with the idea that I'm asking with my eyes on the Lord because he's the one who could do it. I serve a risen savior. He's alive because he lives. He can answer my prayer. I have a living hope. I have a lively hope. I have a reasonable hope because our savior lives because he hears my prayers. I could put my trust in him. I could put my trust and have faith in him because he is God and he is powerful enough. I'm not asking a weak God who may not have the strength to do something. I'm asking a powerful God who does have the strength. So when it talks about here that as Christians, we ask in faith, part of that faith life is that we're asking a God who can and will and is able to. I'm putting my confidence in a God who can. We know that many people who have a crisis of faith, it's because of a lack of understanding of who God truly is. So if I'm going to ask in faith and faith is looking unto Jesus, then how in the world do I have enough faith to ask God of whatever? That's a great question. Well, then we come to the question, how do I get more faith? Do I close my eyes, clench my fist, curl up in a ball and say, get faith, get faith, get faith. How do I get more faith? Well, the Bible answers that question too. In the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That if I need more faith, I go to the word of God. The crisis of faith that we have today is because people are not in their Bible. Because people are not in their Bible, they don't learn more about who God is. And because of their lack of understanding of who God is, they do not ask in faith, knowing that God can and that knowing God will, knowing that God is able, that God wants to hear and answer prayers. God loves to answer prayers, but we have to come to him knowing that he can and that he is able, looking unto Jesus. With that in mind, let's learn some things here about our faith, the Christian faith that we have, knowing that we could ask of Jesus, knowing that we could go to him, looking to him. First thing that we understand is we see the context. Our Christian faith is prompted by our trial. Our Christian faith is prompted by our trial. Notice again in verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. 
that here it's talking about that we're supposed to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. But what is going to happen? God doesn't put you on a trial just because he's bored. And you're not going through a trial just for trial's sake. What is the purpose of the trial? Well, the end purpose of the trial is for us to trust God more. That means that we are going to end up praying more looking unto him. A trial puts us to a place where we realize how far we fall short. Uh, so many times people will think that, well, I'm going through a trial to see how strong I am. No, no, no. It's to show you how weak you are. Amen. I need Jesus. I can't do this. I can't put up with people. I can't deal with my job. I don't have my strength and my health. I don't have this. I fall short. I need Jesus. The trial is not for the idea to see how strong you are. It's to bring you to the place where I need Jesus. I need the Lord. I have to have him. I go up to him. Now I pray differently because it's not, well, Lord, if you get around to it, could you help me out? It's now, I need you or I'm going to die. I need you or I'm going to fail. I need you or it's going to fall apart. I need you or it's all going to collapse. Now we pray differently. I'm going to the one who can answer my prayers. The one that definitely needs, now I realize I need him. You know, so often when we have it or take it or leave it religion, we leave it every time. Well, you know, I don't need Jesus today. So, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to him. Maybe tomorrow if I need him. We may not say that, but that's certainly our practice. You know, I got, I feel good today. I woke up, sun is shining, birds are going. Yeah, let's go ahead and you start enjoying your day. All without Christ. Well, if you don't need them, you don't have them. Amen. It's when we go through the trials and we go through the heartbreaks and we go through the things that we go to him. I need you. You're the only one who can get me out of this. You're the only one who can help me now. I don't have the strength. The trying of our faith brings us to the place where I need Jesus. Brings us to the place where my prayer life is different because now I'm praying in faith, asking nothing wavering. I need you. I need you. Something else that we understand about our Christian faith is our Christian faith reveals true humility. Our Christian faith reveals true humility. Notice as we go on, let's see some more in verse number six. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of a sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, it's going to go on and, and talk about um, <laughs> um, this, uh, verse number nine. Let a brother of low regret low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Now we're going to see more of this later in the book of James, but we understand that we, we have a choice. We are either trusting in God or we're trusting in ourselves. Hold your finger here. Let me kind of def show you this uh, from the word of God. Hold your finger here. Turn with me to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. The Old Testament book of Habakkuk found in the minor prophet section. So if you found Matthew, just turn to a couple books over. The book of Habakkuk. 
We find that it's always helpful to define our terms and what we mean so there's no misunderstandings. That oftentimes when we talk about faith, we'll say, well, the opposite of faith is disbelief. But that's not quite accurate. Notice what the Bible has to say in the book of Habakkuk chapter number two. The book of Habakkuk in chapter number two. Habakkuk chapter two, and notice with me verse four. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now we have this great statement, but the just shall live by his faith. Notice we're going to have the opposite of, because we see the word but, the word but is a conjunctive word, putting two thoughts together that carries the idea of the opposite of. So the person who lives by faith, the opposite is the soul which is lifted up. That's a different way of defining pride. You see, you're either trusting in God or you're trusting in yourself. You're depending on God or you're depending on yourself, depending on God or your intellect, depending on God or your strength, depending on God or your way to manipulate things. Now turn back to me, book of James. With that definition, we want to define our terms and make sure that we're clear. Verse number six, it says, but uh, James chapter one, verse six, but let him ask in faith. Remember, faith is looking unto Jesus, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is a wave that of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let, for let not that man who is wavering think that he should receive anything of the Lord. Now pause. Now that we defined our terms, you're either living by faith or you're living by force. You're trusting in Christ or you're trusting in something else, normally yourself. So someone who is double-minded, someone who's wavering, goes like this. Lord, I need your help. I've got this. I could do this myself. You see, <laughs> you either need God's help or you don't. Either you need God's help or you're going to try to do it yourself. So many times we try to get God to help us with what we're already doing. Meaning that, Lord, I just need you to sprinkle some little bit of dust just to kind of make what I'm already trying to do a blossom. But that's not definition here. You're either trusting in God or you're trusting in yourself. It's either 100% I'm depending on God or I'm depending on myself. So it comes to this. Remember, we're talking about faith. What faith is going to do is test true humility. What do we mean by this? I can't do this. I need your help. That's true humility. Recognizing I can't do it. I need the Lord's help. So many times we think that we can do it. And God's like, okay, as long as you want to do it, go ahead. Let me know when you crash. I'll, I'll be here for you. Because we think that we can handle it. What the trials of our faith is going to do is bring us to the place, I can't do this. I can't do this. You know, let's take, a, take practical. <laughs> we could do spiritual things all the time, but let's do practical. You know, you could work a job and learn the ins and outs and whatnot and feel like I don't need God to help me with my job. You may not say it, but by practice, because you've got this. And then you have something hit you and collapse everything, and then all of a sudden you don't got this. Everything collapses, falls apart around you, and, and it becomes 
um, dangerous. It could be something where you're working fast food and you think you got this and then all of a sudden a customer comes in and everything backs up and you don't got this. And then you start to get overwhelmed. Well, you say, well, that doesn't feel life and death. Yeah, but if that's your job, it feels like life and death when you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, you could do other stuff. I worked a medical job. If I messed up, people died. Well, you know, that's one of those things where I can't. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've got this. Yeah, as soon as I do that, that's, that's dangerous. Yeah. You know, we have people with different things in there. You mess with people's money. People get kind of uh, upset if you mess with people's money, right? Yeah. If things... Uh, don't go right if you mess things up. I mean, whether it's something simple as not giving the correct change, right? For those of you who work retail or if something bigger, right? People get upset <laughs> and you realize I don't have this. You know, so many times we try to live the Christian life without Christ. We try to live the Christian life like I've got this. <laughs> I've got parenting down. Well, good trial or two, and you'll realize you don't have parenting down. Exactly. <laughs> My work, I've got this. Well, you let a couple things happen at work, and you realize, I don't got this. Even the idea of a good spouse. Man, I am the best spouse ever. And you just let something happen, and you realize, well, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Trials will help bring us to true humility, which again is the whole purpose of us learning to ask in faith, Lord, I need you. I'm not just saying this. I need you. I need your help. I need your direction. I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need your power. I can't do this. Every time I try to do it on my own, it fails. It messes up. I need you. Again, that's not a bad thing. That is a wonderful thing. Coming to the idea that I stop trying to live the Christian life on my own. I need Jesus for every part of my life. I'm asking in faith, not me trying to do it myself. Remember, this idea of wavering here isn't the idea, well, I hope that you could do it, maybe. It's the idea of either you got this or I got this. It can't be both. And if we think that I've got this, <laughs> we've got this promise here, for let not the man that think that he should receive anything of the Lord. Hey, if you don't need anything from the Lord, guess what? <laughs> God says, all right, help yourself. But that's practical. That's understandable. Something else that we understand about the Christian life is that our Christian faith is demonstrated by work. Notice again, and we're going to see this over and over. We've already seen it a couple times. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say that he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not the things which they are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man that say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. If thou can believest there is one God, thou doest well, and the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, let's go back and give a quick history lesson. Um, let me hit another one. 
we know that the book of James baffles some people because they look at things at a different perspective. That, for example, Martin Luther, the great reformer, used to call uh, the book of James as the gospel written in straw. And the reason why is because he came from a Catholic background and the Catholics said that you had to do this and this and this in order to be saved, in order to be right with God. In fact, Martin Luther himself, as someone who went through all of those things, he fasted so often in order to get salvation that the other monks had to force feed him because he couldn't no longer feed himself. He got to the idea where he was part of the people called the flatulence who would um, beat themselves and he would beat himself senseless hoping that God would see him and... um, (laughs) and get saved. Then later on, he came into that wonderful verse we saw in the book of Habakkuk just a bit ago, that the just shall live by faith, so much so that the apostle Paul quoted that verse three times in um, the New Testament, in the book of Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther, who was teaching a class in the Galatians and Romans through his own studies, started to go through here and said, wait a second, the just shall live by faith. This is wonderful. And he realized that in order to have salvation, in order to have forgiveness of sins, there's nothing he can do. It is to trust God by faith. You either trust God by faith or you're trusting in yourself. Well, he realized he couldn't trust himself. He had to trust God. So with someone like Martin Luther looking at this passage here, this would be a little bit confusing to him because it says here that what doth it profit, my brother, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works. Can faith save him? And it goes on in this passage. So do we have a dilemma? Do we have a contradiction? Not at all. The book of James is the oldest book of the New Testament. And it was written uh, by James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was serving as the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. And as many of the Jewish people are getting saved, they, like the Catholic folks, have been saved from... um, Save from a religion of works, meaning that for the Jewish people, in order to be right with God, in order to have salvation, in order to have God's forgiveness, they had to do this, 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 and this. So much so that it was a great burden to them. So when the Hebrew people came to know Christ as their savior, they would feel that weight of bondage delivered, but they would have an overreaction, a pendulum swing to the other side. Let me, I pause for a second. So often we do that, that we have a pendulum swing that goes to one extreme to the other, and that we need to find a biblically defensible position rather than a reactive position where we react to these people and we go over here and then we react to these people and go over here. We need to have a biblically defensible position. Does that make sense? So what would happen is the pendulum swing. The Jewish people were taught that they had, in order to be right with God, they had to do this and do this and do this. So they get saved and they realize that salvation is by faith, trusting in Christ and Christ alone, not my own works, not my own actions. So they would pendulum swing to the other extreme listen, now that I'm saved, I don't have to do anything. I got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven whether I want to or not now because of God's promises. Woohoo! I don't have to do anything now. And so because of the overreaction of the pendulum swing, James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had to bring the pendulum down to a biblically defensible position. And he said, listen, you may not be saved by your works, but you prove that you're saved by your works. Does that make sense? That it's going to be evidence. If I truly say that I'm a Christian, then there's going to be certain things I do. 
For example, did you know lost people know how Christians should live better than Christians? What do I mean by that? Well, let's go take an average lost person, a non-church person, and say, how's a Christian supposed to live? And you know, there are certain things that a lost person will say a Christian's supposed to do. A Christian is supposed to read their Bible. A Christian's supposed to pray. A Christian is supposed to uh, go to church. A Christian is supposed to give money. A Christian is supposed to be kind. A Christian is supposed to be loving. A Christian is supposed to tell others about their faith. Could we understand that a lost person could accurately give that description? Absolutely. So what happens when people become a Christian? I didn't know I was supposed to do all that stuff. Right? Well, you know, if a lost person knows what a Christian is supposed to look like, act like, smell like, taste like, and then a Christian who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't read my Bible, is that going to smell right to a lost person? No, there's going to be something wrong with it. How do I prove that I'm truly a Christian? Just because I wear a sign and say, looky, I'm saved. Everybody look at me, behold me. This is what I say first. No, I don't do it by declaring I'm saved. I don't tell everyone, hey, I'm a Christian, look at me. I don't do it just by saying it. My life will back it up. Does it make sense? That if I'm truly saved, it's going to be evidenced by what I do. Not that I'm showing off. For example, have you ever been caught reading your Bible? I mean, people get caught doing things all the time. Have you ever been caught reading your Bible? Whether you bring your Bible to your break room and you're reading and someone walks in and go, whoa, I know you read your Bible. I mean, you're not doing it for show. You were just reading your Bible, but you got caught. Have you ever got caught praying? I mean, for those of you who have families, have your kids ever walked on in on you when you were praying? But shouldn't they? You know, there's certain things. We're not doing it for show, but there's certain things that are going to show up. Because I'm saved, it's going to be evidenced by I live. God's the one who makes us a new creature. We understand that. That living a Christian life isn't living a better life. It's God makes me a new creature. And if something as big as God is going to live in something as tiny as my heart, there's going to be some changes. Does that make sense? And so it's not something we force. God changes us from the inside out. My part is to keep my eyes on Christ. As I keep my eyes on Christ, he will change me from the inside out. But if I say that I'm going to be a Christian, it's going to be demonstrated by how I live, by what I do. It's not, I'm not saved because I live that way. I live that way because I'm saved. Does that make sense? I'm not living the Christian life in order to get something from God. I'm living a Christian life because of what Christ has already done for me. God is always previous. It always begins with God, ends with God. God's the goal. And if God's the goal, it's going to be evidenced in the way that I live my life. Does it make sense? Good. Which now brings us to the last thing, that, that the Christian life, Christian faith is motivated by God's gift. Notice back with me in the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And notice with me, if you don't mind, James chapter 1, and notice in verse 12. 
Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Remember that was the context that we were on going through trials that through these diverse trials, they're going to help us to look to the Lord and trust in him. Blessed is the man, let, let um, patience have her perfect work. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love them. <laughs> so our response is that we're going to the Lord. Notice this. Verse number 12, the crown is not the goal. The crown is the byproduct of the goal. Verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. The goal is God. But as we make God our goal, there's going to be some byproducts that go along with it. Part of it is this crown. That when I go through a trial, my response, my thing should be looking unto Jesus. That's faith. I go through a hard time. I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm going through a difficult time. I'm looking to Jesus. As I look to Jesus and I'm responding to him that God will let me get closer with him. It's going to be evidenced in my life and there's going to be rewards later on because of it. Our response to this gift, notice in verse 19. Wherefore my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. <laughs> As we're trying to obey the Lord and find what he has, God gives to us this idea that we are supposed to shut up, be quick to hear, keep our mouth shut, and let God do his work. Trust him to work. If we're loving on him, then we're going to look to him, trust in him, depend upon him, and let him do his work. Um, notice in verse 21, wherefore, so because of all of this, lay apart all filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to receive your souls. Our response to this gift is that we're going to set apart, lay apart certain things in our life. And we're going to receive other things. We're going to lay aside uh, filthiness. And this wonderful phrase, the superfluity of naughtiness. There's a key phrase for you sometime if you want to have something in mind. The superfluity of naughtiness. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to receive with meekness the engrafted word. The word of God. That our response to him is that we know that God is true that God is faithful, we're going to depend upon him. And if we're truly going to depend upon him, we're going to keep our eyes on him and stay close to his word. Because the goal is God. What is faith? Faith is looking unto Jesus. God allows trials in our life to help us to look to Jesus. That this trials of our life are going to help us to show us, are we looking unto Jesus? That if we're Looking unto Jesus, it's going to be demonstrated. It's going to be evidenced in our life that brings us up that looking unto Jesus is the goal. We're looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. He's what we're trying to trust and depend upon. So again, in James chapter one, where we began at, it says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. This idea of wavering is not doubting him. It's the idea either I'm trusting in him or I'm trusting in myself. 
Either he's got it or I've got it. And that we need to just keep our eyes on him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.